I loved interacting with kids and watching the light bulbs go off as they made connections between God's truth and their lives, and I was hooked. Welcome to Biblical Counseling in Action. I'm Steve Byers, and this is a podcast that addresses questions like, how do these principles penetrate every facet of local church ministry? What does it look like when biblical counseling starts to impact the youth ministry, or our ladies' Bible studies, or our men's ministries, or the way leaders function together, or the way decisions are made in the church? And what does it look like in the lives of everyday church members who have been trained, or maybe who have been counseled, but now they're continuing to live out these principles in everyday life? That's what this podcast is all about. Welcome back to Biblical Counseling in Action. Today we're talking to Pastor Trey Garner, who served on our pastoral staff for the past 21 years. And, you know, Trey, even when I asked you about that yesterday, I guess I should know all of those years for all of our different staff members, but it's amazing that it's been 21 years. Yeah, it is. So praise the Lord that he has blessed me with some staff members who have been here a long time. They and their families are just so very faithful, such an encouragement to Chris and me, and Trey's certainly one of those for sure. You know, as I've talked to various people on our pastoral staff, I've made this comment that our pastoral staff members, they wear a lot of hats for sure. It's just amazing how many different kinds of ministry people get involved in, but that, that's certainly true for Trey. But what I'd like us to especially focus in on today is children's ministries. I can't say enough about just the excellent work that Trey and his team do in children's ministries. And, you know, Trey and I were praying before we went on this recording. Just our our desire is not to exalt people. Our desire is not to exalt ministries. Our desire is to exalt Jesus, who loves children And if we're doing anything right with those to whom he's entrusted us, it's because of his work in and through us. But in that context, Trey, I just want to praise the Lord publicly for the great work that you and your team do with children. It is, it's laced with excellence and passion, creativity, and theological depth and integrity. And wrapped up in all of that is the excellent connection that's been made from children's ministries to biblical counseling. And so that's really the topic that I'd like to explore with you today is what is the relationship between um, biblical counseling and children's ministries? So let's just start by how did you become interested in being a pastor? Well, my trip to pastoral ministry was not a conventional one. (laughs) It was filled with all kinds of twists and turns. I did not grow up in a Bible-believing church. And so I came to Christ when I was 19 years old, a sophomore in college. Wow. Yeah. And as a sophomore, I met with a guy from Campus Crusade for Christ who sat down with my roommate and me and explained the gospel in a way that I had never considered it before. And I wasn't ready to do anything with it at that point in time, but my sophomore year in college is when I recognized, boy, if I can't make it through the problems I'm facing right now on Mm. my own, how am I ever going to make it to heaven Mm. on my own? And I trusted Christ at that point, but I didn't immediately get plugged into a good Bible-believing church. Mm. It wasn't until I finished my undergraduate work in Texas, moved up here to 
attend grad school at Purdue and started participating in the ministries at Faith, in our worship services, in the college class, that I finally started to get discipled. Hmm. And Now, I assume that you, when you came to Purdue then, you didn't come to Purdue to study pastoral ministry. Would that be a correct statement? That would be correct. So help folks understand, what was the life plan at that point when you showed up in West Lafayette, Indiana? Yeah. Well, I had gotten my undergraduate degree in musical theater, hmm. and I had actually spent some time studying in New York as an undergrad. I came to Purdue to get my graduate degree in acting. So my plan was get some more training, get my degree, and then head off to New York where I hope to make it on Broadway. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But the mind of the man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. <laughs> that is certainly true in this story, isn't it? Absolutely. So you come to Purdue to get a degree in theater, mm-hmm. a master's degree in theater. Right. Take it from there. Yeah. There was a man leading our college class at the time who is now the chairman of our deacons, Joe Blake. If anybody knows Joe Blake, they just know he's just an incredible and faithful servant of the Lord, just a Mm -hmm. wonderful, wonderful man. Well, Joe sort of took me under his wing, and I remember it took place at an after-church fellowship that we were having at the home of one of the sponsors in our college ministry. We'd enjoyed a good meal. Joe and I were at the sink doing some dishes together, and Joe used this phrase. He said, Trey, I want to plant a seed. Hmm. And I've learned that when Joe (laughs) says that, or frankly, when anybody says that, I really need to pay attention because Hmm. it's usually of the Lord. Yeah. And he said, I want to plant a seed. Have you ever considered full-time vocational Christian ministry? So he's saying that to you at the sink while you're washing dishes? That's exactly right. There is a lesson right there. Oh, absolutely. So sometimes biblical counseling is not formal in a one-hour-a-week setting. Is that what you're telling me? No question. So he is no. getting some work done while the dishes were being cleaned. That's exactly right. Yeah, I love Joe's a multitasker. That. <laughs> Yeah. So Joe planted a seed that day. And at that point in time, I thought, Joe's crazy. I mean, (laughs) what on earth? That was nowhere near what I was thinking about my future. I mean, like I said, I was headed to Broadway. Hmm. And Joe, he suggested that I think and pray about that. Well, I did. And what I found over the course of the remaining months in that year at Purdue is that I started having less and less of a desire to be involved in theater Hmm. and more and more of a desire to study God's Word and to help other people learn God's Word. And so really by the end of my second year in grad school at Purdue, it was a three-year program, I had pretty much decided I did not want to pursue acting as a vocation. Yeah. And I came back for my third year in grad school having decided, okay, I'm going to finish out my degree, and then I'm planning to go to seminary. Hmm. I'm going to find a seminary this year and start getting theological training. Well, there was a leadership transition that took place in the college class between Joe Blake and Brent Oakwin. Mm -hmm. Brent's one of our pastors. He has overseen a variety of ministries during his time here, but at that point in time, he was overseeing the college ministry. Mm -hmm. And I had made some travel plans to visit different seminaries during spring break of that year. And Brent came to me and he said, Trey, I'd like you to think about something. I'd like you to consider coming on our staff after you graduate as an intern. Hmm. That'll give you the opportunity 
to learn if full-time pastoral ministry is really what you want, yeah. and it'll give us the opportunity to evaluate your character, your giftedness, to see if we believe God's calling is upon your life in that way. Mm. And that was a much more biblical approach than yeah. I was taking. Mm-hmm. But I'm really grateful for that. And again, I thought, boy, Brent, this is not what I was thinking, but the Lord was in it. Yeah. And I graduated from Purdue that May, I came on our staff as an intern that August, and I have been on our staff in one form or fashion since that time. Wow, wow. I think that shows just the power of strategic conversations. Absolutely. Where what Joe took the time to say to you, what Brent took the time to say to you, it literally changed the trajectory of your life. 100%. Yeah, death and life are in the power of the tongue, the book of Proverbs tells us. And there's people who spoke life words into you. Amen. Wow. I'm not sure I knew all those details, Mm. and that's very, very exciting to me for sure. Where does biblical counseling fit into the story? How did you, why did you, when did you receive training in biblical counseling? Yeah, so I said I graduated in May and started my internship in August. Well, wouldn't you know, Faith Biblical Counseling has a summer training program, Mm -hmm. and I got involved in the 11 Monday program. Yeah. And that was such an incredible privilege and experience for me, because Mm -hmm. I started to understand how to use God's Word in ways that practically applied to the problems that not only was I seeing in my life, but the problems that I was seeing in the lives of those around me. I had the privilege of sitting in on counseling sessions and watching trained biblical counselors help those that were coming to them for counseling use the scriptures and apply them to those problems. It was thrilling. Yeah. And now you're talking about something that actually goes back 45 years, because when Bill Goode and Bob Smith were trained in biblical counseling, the agreement by John Bettler, who was at the University of Chicago at the time and agreed to train them, was they had to start a counseling center and they had to start training. And so that's been going on for 45 years in all sorts of different forms. But what you just described is our bread and butter program, the one that we've had the longest. So we do have a community-based biblical counseling center that's available to anybody in our town. So if they want help in their marriage or with finances or parenting or anger or worry or fear or depression, they contact us, and we have people trained and ready now, about 30 counselors who will work with various people on Mondays. But it's not just a counseling center. It's also a training center. And so men and women can come here for 11 consecutive Mondays. It's held in the spring and then again in the summer, as Trey said, and then in the fall. And that program, you're receiving lecture in the morning, but then you're sitting in on live counseling sessions in the afternoon and evening, which I think is a marvelous way to train people to counsel. I don't think counseling is a discipline that's learned best by books. I think it's learned best by being involved in live, real counseling sessions and watching God's Spirit use His Word to glorify His Son. So I'm glad that you were able to be trained in that particular fashion. Not everybody has that opportunity, and we provide it in other formats for people who can't travel to Lafayette for 11 consecutive Mondays or travel somebody else and get live counseling training. But I'm glad you received it in that particular fashion. Oh, I am too. 
how did this lead into children's ministry? I mean, you go from, I'm going to Broadway, and I believe you and your wife, Deb, could have done that and been very successful. I don't any in doubt about it. So it's not like, well, that didn't pan out, so now I'm going to do something else. You left that behind for this. How does children's ministry fit into the story? Gracious of you to say that, but, you know, I did not immediately think when I started developing this desire to be involved in pastoral ministry, that children's ministry was the avenue I was going to take. I actually, for the first part of my internship, was overseeing our church's worship ministry, and I did that for a couple of years. During that time, it became, I think, fairly apparent that that was not the best fit for my skills and my gifts, and there was another guy on staff who was overseeing our children's ministry at the time, he was much more gifted from a musical perspective. And you approached us about making a ministry shift Hmm. where he would step into the music ministry Mm -hmm. and I would step into children's ministries. And that turned out to be a very good thing. Now, I mentioned that I did not grow up in a Bible-believing church. Mm -hmm. In fact, the only time I remember being involved in a Sunday school class when I was young was on one occasion when I couldn't even tell you what they taught that day. I couldn't tell you where the church was. All I know is that they gave me graham crackers and juice. There you go. Yeah. I'm sure the teacher would have preferred that I took away from the class, you know, that Jesus is the king and that I needed to believe in him, but I took away, boy, church is where I get graham crackers and juice. And because I like graham crackers and juice, I remember it as a positive experience. So I stepped into children's ministries having exactly one day of experience in children's ministries. And thankfully, at that point in time, we had a lot of people faithfully serving in children's ministries who had been doing it for a number of years. And I believe our church has had a track record of just faithful, sacrificial servants seeking to creatively minister God's truth to kids. And so I got to watch some experienced people doing it, and I learned some things from them. And it wasn't too long before I had the opportunity to step into a children's ministry classroom and start teaching. And I found that I absolutely loved it. I loved interacting with kids and watching the light bulbs go off as they made connections between God's truth and their lives, and I was hooked. Yeah, and I think there's a couple of things that just flow out of that story. One is the importance of flexibility, of serving the Lord however you believe he wanted you at the time. But then as others would speak into your life or others would present different ministry opportunities. Sometimes it's just a matter of doing what needs to be done at the time. And you've been willing to do that here at Faith, haven't you? By God's grace. Yeah. And then I think also not sitting around and saying, I'm going to ascertain God's will while I sit here quietly. You were busy serving, and you were serving in just whatever needed to be done at the time. And it really is interesting how God has directed you into children's ministries just through the process of you being faithful, Mm. and praise the Lord for that. So can you help those who are listening just understand, because I can imagine somebody saying, okay, we're talking about two separate marbles here. We're talking about biblical counseling, and we're talking about children's ministries. Never the twain shall meet. And we would say, oh, no, 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 they are intimately connected. Mm -hmm. That's part of what it means for a church, not just to have a counseling center, 
but to be a counseling center. So can you just unpack that for us? What is the relationship between the, the two disciplines? You know, it's so funny that you would say that our church doesn't just have a counseling center, but it is a counseling center. That's the exact thing I think of when it comes to children's ministries. Yeah. Because what is it that we're trying to do in biblical counseling? We're trying to take God's truth, and apply it to the heart of the individual so that they can learn mm -hmm. to glorify God in their thinking, yeah. speech, and actions. That's the exact same thing that we're trying to do in our children's ministries. Yeah. We're just doing it with kids who are less practiced at hiding their sin. <laughs> I think that's the main difference between adults and kids. Kids are just more out there with yeah. it. Yeah, that's fascinating. So if there's somebody who is involved in children's ministries right now, Maybe they've never even thought about receiving biblical counseling mm -hmm. training. Would you advise them to do that? Oh, absolutely, yeah. If the focus of biblical counseling is taking, as I said, biblical truth, trying to apply it to the heart and help people understand how this should impact my thinking, words, and actions. Well, if someone receives training in how to do that, that's going to make them a much more effective servant in children's ministries. It'll change the way they approach their Sunday school lessons hmm. because what they'll start looking for in the text is they'll start looking for what are the heart motives yep. of the yep. people involved in this story? How does God counsel them? Hmm. And you start drawing connections between the men and women we read about in Scripture and the lives of the kids we're seeking to disciple, and what are the heart motives that you brought with you into this room, that you brought with you into that situation that you faced this past week at home, at school, whatever. And you start to see, wow, my life is actually very similar to the lives of the people that I read about in Scripture. So you're able to help kids make those kinds of connections. It's also helpful for those Maybe they don't have a teaching role in a Sunday school class, but they're an assistant. Right. And frequently, assistants get the opportunity right. to have the one-on-one -on -one conversations right. with yep. kids. We do, and I would assume this is the case in a lot of churches, we do a fair amount of what I call hallway discipleship, uh -huh. where if there's a child who's just not on board with what's taking place in yep. a Sunday school classroom, we'll frequently take them out to the hallway. It's always in a public setting where there's many eyes on what's going on. You never want to give people any reason to question whether what you're doing with a child is appropriate or not. So we'll take them out into the hallway, and we'll start asking them questions hmm. that are designed to penetrate the heart. Right and help the child understand, all right, what was God's standard? What was expected of you? Hmm. Were you living, were you behaving in a way that lived up to God's standard? What does that say about your heart? What does that say about who you need in your heart? Hmm. And so it gives us all kinds of opportunities to have gospel-centered conversations mm -hmm. with kids. So we often say when we're talking to preaching pastors that if you get involved in biblical counseling, counseling will make you a better preacher. Mm -hmm. Well, are you saying that counseling will make you a better Sunday school teacher? Absolutely. 
Yeah, because it's going to make your teaching more practical. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a greater understanding of the kind of challenges that people face. You're going to have a greater understanding of the doctrine of progressive sanctification and the nuances of the change process. And that's just going to start seeping out through all of your teaching, isn't it? Absolutely. And even as you mentioned, in your interpersonal interactions, even if you're not the primary teacher in that particular Sunday school class, that may actually even be better in your situation in terms of having the one-on-one -on -one conversations that really matter. Yes, and what it tends to do is it tends to foster relationships between the kids in your ministry and those serving in the ministry. And when those relationships happen, that's where the opportunities for discipleship really increase. That's mm -hmm. where you see a child who might have been headed down one path. I mean, they've got all kinds of behavior problems. They show up at church and they cause a ruckus. But we have seen, by God's grace, in the lives of many, many children, well, we've seen those strategic conversations completely turn a child around. It's such a joy to see those kids grow up and mature and start serving Christ, not because their parents are making them do that, but because that's what they want. Mm -hmm. And like many of our pastoral staff members, you mentioned that you went through the Monday training program. Mm -hmm. Well, now you serve in the Monday training program. Is that right? That is. So you come apart from your children's ministry, and it's a huge load. You come apart from those responsibilities, and you continue to teach and counsel in our Biblical Counseling Center on Mondays. And do you think that's important to have the relationship between ongoing, regular biblical counseling with real people and preparing and serving in the children's ministries. Oh, absolutely, because you're constantly sharpening your skills, and you're constantly learning, encountering different kinds of situations to which you're challenged to figure out, how am I going to bring God's Word to bear in this situation and on that situation? And it just continuously refreshes you in the truth of God's Word and the skills you need in order to help people apply it in their lives. Now, what about the other way? I don't know of a church on the face of the Lord's earth that does not need more children's ministry workers. Amen. I thought I'd get an amen out of that. Um, <laughs> so let's say somebody has been trained or is doing biblical counseling. Would you encourage that person to consider being involved in children's ministries? I would. I would, definitely. You know, there is just a fascinating story about D.L. Moody, where D.L. Moody was conducting an evangelistic meeting, and after the meeting, one of his friends comes to him and says, how many were saved tonight? And his response is, two and a half. Hmm. And friend's a little perplexed by that, and asks, two and a half, what do you mean? You mean two adults and one child? Hmm. And Moody says in response, no, no, two children and one adult, hmm. because those children have a much larger window of opportunity mm -hmm. to yep. grow in Christ and to make an impact on this world for Christ. And that's one of the reasons why I love serving in children's ministries and why I believe those trained in biblical counseling ought to serve in children's ministries, because if you can reach people when they're young mm -hmm. and get them headed in the right direction, the opportunity for impact is so significant. Well, yeah, the work that we do on Mondays, it's remedial, right? You're dealing with people who, generally speaking, have gone far down the, the trail in the wrong direction, and you're trying to help them. And by God's grace, 
repentance is always possible, change is always possible. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to do that work very long before you start thinking less remedial and more preventative. Mm -hmm. How can I help persons not get on that path? How can I help persons not have to experience those consequences? Well, the more you think upstream, the more you think preventative work, you're also starting to think about that chronologically, aren't you? It's how can we serve children in a way that would prevent some of these things that I'm seeing in the counseling room with adults. And I would think that the cross-pollination between these two disciplines is strong. Absolutely. Well, hey, Trey, thank you very much for just talking to us today. I know this is going to be encouraging to so many persons. I, I would guess that there will be some children's ministry workers who will say, I'm going to find where I can receive biblical counseling training somewhere. And of course, it's available in all sorts of different forms at Faith and a lot of other good places. But if this conversation results in that, that's wonderful. And I think you would also rejoice if you heard the news that somebody who's already trained in biblical counseling heard this and said, you know what, I'm going to tip my foot in children's ministries and see what that is like. And if that's the case, then praise the Lord as well. Absolutely. Go children's ministries. <laughs> Thank you. You can check out more about our ministry at faithlafayette.org. Or if you're interested in receiving biblical counseling training, go to faithlafayette.org conferences. You can find these presentations wherever you normally access your podcasts. And you could really help us just to get the word out by telling your friends on social media that these presentations are going to be available. Our hope and our prayer is that this podcast honors the Lord and is a blessing to you.